Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. You throw up your hands and you said, I just can't do this anymore. Maybe you were struggling through a broken relationship and you tried and you tried and you tried and you tried everything that you, that you knew of. And you know what? Finally, out of complete and utter frustration, you just said, I just can't do this anymore. And you walked away. Maybe it was or maybe it still is, a, you know, just a dead-end job with an annoying boss that's driving you nuts. Maybe that's it. And, and so maybe, you know, you're thinking about maybe going in in the morning and just looking at him and say, you can take this job. No, that's all right, different series. You know, maybe, maybe you'll look at him and say, you know what, I just can't take this anymore. I can't take you anymore. I can't take this job anymore. And some of you have done that. Maybe you kicked off the year with a great nutrition plan. And everything was going really, really good until the Super Bowl hit. And, and I mean, you were your friends, right? And so you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to eat that guy, you know, eating cardboard. <laughs> you, don't want, you, know, you don't want to have a rice cake going, wow, those nachos look awesome. And so maybe, maybe it was... Maybe it was Valentine's Day for you, and you took your sweetie out for some sweets, and, and maybe that was the thing, you know, when you're a chocoholic, you, don't, you didn't know it until that moment, and then you started something, and you said, I, you know what, I just can't do this any anymore. Maybe, maybe it was somebody's birthday, and you went to a birthday party, and, and they had that cake, and it wasn't just that nasty birthday cake, like it was red velvet cake. You know what I'm talking about? And they had ice cream, and somebody brought milk, and you saw it as a sign from heaven. Maybe it was National Hot Dog Day. Anybody love hot dogs? Yeah, don't, don't, don't bring me those little pink things. No. Hot dog not look like that. I'm talking about Nathan's hot dogs. Everybody in the house. Whoop, whoop. With chili and onions. That's not what you want to eat before date night. And you finally just gave up and you said, you know what, I just can't do this anymore. Maybe it requires too much discipline. And you said, you know what, I can't, I can't do that anymore. <clears throat> it, it requires too much of me every single day. Maybe you thought, I'm not that strong, I just can't do it. Maybe it was, it's time. It takes too much time. You meant good at the first of the year, right? And you're going to start going to the gym. And you're going to have to go in the morning. And you had to get up at some crazy hour. Like maybe 5 o'clock and be at the gym at 5.30 in order to be out and get to work. And, and things were going well. But then you just thought, you know what, this is... It's asking too much of me. <clears throat> I can't do this anymore. Maybe it's costing you too much money. So every day it seems like that people quit things out of frustration. So I just can't do this anymore. But there's a positive side to it. There's a, a positive side to it. I told you just a minute ago, a great cause is, is, is birth. It can be birthed out of a, out of a great burden. You're here today because God gave me a burden. It was a burden. And a burden is one of those things that you, you can't really wrap your brain around. It's, it's a heaviness. It's something that compels you to take action. You literally sit back and say, I just can't, I can't sit back and do nothing anymore. I've got to do something. 
So for the next few weeks, we're going to look at a man from the Old Testament who saw something that was broken. He decided, he was literally broken, and he decided that he had to do something to fix it. And he literally, he literally said, he said, I, I can't do anymore. I just can't sit back and do nothing. Somebody has got to do something, and I'm willing to be that somebody. And that will not happen. That won't happen with ambition. That won't happen with just a dream. That will only happen, you will only fulfill that if you have a burden. It's got to be a burden. So if you'll stick with me over the next few weeks, you might find your purpose. You might find your call in life. If you'll just stick with me over the next few weeks. And actually, I'm just making the assumption, I guess. I'm just making the assumption that, that I hope is true of everyone, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, that you just want to be used by God. You know, I, I'm making that assumption that you as a follower of Jesus actually want to be used by God. And maybe you walk in here on a Sunday morning, you see these guys on this stage, and you go, wow. Because what you see on a Sunday morning, if you don't see people up here on Sunday morning just singing because they want to be in front of people, you, you sense something, don't you? That these people that are up here on Sunday morning are singing out of a burden, out of a call, out of a desire. They want to draw you in to where they are in, in their worship experience. Maybe you pull up in on the parking lot and you see those guys, oh my gosh, on rainy days, I just love to look out there and I see those guys that are helping people park or the greeters that are, that are standing out there to welcome people and to make people feel like they're at home. Maybe you think, you know what, that's just not me. I'll never be able to do that. If you'll stick with me over the next few weeks, I promise you, I believe God will speak to you. And for maybe a life that thought you, maybe someone who thought that your life was worthless, you'll find that it has meaning and it has purpose. I'm going to make an assumption that even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you still want your life to have purpose, don't you? So if you're not a follower of Jesus, like you're not out there going, yeah, Ray, hoorah for them. No, you're looking for purpose as well. In fact, you're really, really desperate or you wouldn't be here. Now, can I just say that? I've been saying this for, I don't know, 25 years. I've been saying, no kidding, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you go to church on Sunday morning, you are out of options. I mean, it's not like the first thing somebody says, gee, I think I'll go to church. I bet they got something at church for me. So you've tried everything else that you can think of, and your life feels meaningless. You feel like you don't have a purpose. There's no joy. And so you're here today out of desperation, and I promise you, you can find it if you just hang on. So there's this Old Testament guy named Nehemiah. And one of the things that you need to know about Nehemiah was he is the shortest man in the Bible. He is Nehemiah. If you're brand new to church, you go, dude, that's like corny. It is. It's just an old Bible joke. That's all I got. So he was a Jewish man who did something so extraordinary. <clears throat> so extraordinary. Now, here's what you need to know. I've got to tell you this. He was just an ordinary guy. So this is not a prophet. This is not one of the judges. I mean, this, this guy, he was an average, everyday, get up, go to work kind of guy. Y'all with me? So, when, so as you listen to the story of Nehemiah, no matter what you may hear, you've got to always think, you know what, that could be me, because it could. And his story is so extraordinary that it's literally recorded in Jewish history. Just an average guy. So the story of Nehemiah, which is found creatively entitled, the book of, 
So y'all are sharp. That 9 o'clock crowd said y'all wouldn't get that. It's a story. It's, it's a story about a burden. It's, it's a story that really starts with a burden. It's a burden. It's a burden that turns into a vision. It's a burden that turns into a vision that has to have perseverance. So listen, if you're in the middle, you feel like God's called you to do something, but you've started to wobble a little bit, you know? We've wobbled here. We've wobbled a lot when, when we were head over heels in debt and didn't know how we were going to be able to make a payment and didn't know what we were going to do if we were going to lose the building. But we still had a burden that created a vision. What we needed was perseverance. You just need to hang on because we're going to look at that. It's part of the story. It's a, it's a determination is a part of the story. Amazing leadership from an average guy. Just an ordinary kind of guy. That I'll bet if you'd have went to him and said, man, are you a leader? He'd have said, what? I'm just an average, I'm just a cupbearer to the king. It's all I am. And just so you know, this is important because you're not going to understand the story if you don't get these details. It takes place right after what's often called the Jewish exile. Now, I do a little history stuff. I can tell you, you get perked up and go, oh, that's awesome. And you want to take notes. Just listen because this is, this is really, really, really super important. So about 605 B.C., the Babylonians invaded what was called then the southern kingdom. Now, the Bible's really difficult to understand. There's a southern kingdom. You know why? It's in the south. There's a northern kingdom. You know why it's called the northern kingdom? Because it's in the north. So the southern kingdom, or it can be also described or labeled or entitled Judah. And so if you remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, anybody? Like even if you're not a church goer, people have like heard that story. Or maybe Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel, that guy. All of those guys, this was a time when they were taken from Jerusalem and taken to work for King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. So Babylon, was they were, they were the big power in the world, and they saw Israel, and they said, you know what, we're just going to come in and take names, kick behind. They did, and then what they did was they took the smartest and the brightest, and they took them away into captivity. So happened so for about 70 years, Israel, like, shut down. They were out of business. I don't know what that means. I just made it up. They were out of business, and they, they ceased to exist. They weren't a force in the world anymore. They had no influence. They weren't a light anymore. They didn't even exist. Well, about 70 years go by, and the Persians have conquered the Babylonians. And you know what I thought? I, I wrote this, and I thought, I said, you know, every great empire, the Roman Empire, it seems like every great empire, every great nation, every great world power it seems like that somewhere along the lines those world powers get a little bit cocky they get a little bit arrogant they get a little bit full of pride and somehow they fall it's probably just me i'm not trying to be negative but i thought we feel like we're invincible we are these united states of america hmm just a thought it's not even in my notes I know you're saying stick, stick to your notes. And so King Cyrus the Great, this Persian king, he's looking around and he says, why do we have all these Jews? 
like all over the place. They're like scattered all over the place. And, and so he makes this proclamation. He said, you know what, if, if you were like, you know, this is not your home, then I just want you to know that all you guys can just go back home. You can just go back home. And it was awesome. It was awesome that after over a hundred years of, of, of captivity, they were, they were free. So literally tens of thousands and eventually hundreds of thousands of Jews migrated back to Israel to start back up what had previously been shut down. Everybody say, yay! Well, not so fast. Because things didn't go really well. They didn't go well because so many of the best of the best. And if you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, they, they were the best of the best. And so what this Babylonian king did was he said, I'm going to take the smartest, the brightest, the best looking. I have no idea what that has to do with it. Other than he said, I don't, I don't want to look at a bunch of ugly people. I want the brightest, the smartest, and the best looking. I have no idea what that means, but that's what the word says. And so he took all of the leadership away. So there's this huge leadership void. The economy has been stalled. They're just having trouble getting things going. So about 90 years later is when we meet Nehemiah. Now there's a different king of Persia's king, Artaxerxes. And so Nehemiah begins to journal his story. And we have it in our Bibles, and it's called the book of Nehemiah. So let's jump in, chapter 1, verse 1. Now the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakali, in the month of Kishlu, in the 20th year, while I was at the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Now, here's the question I ask. So I read this, and I thought, I wonder, does he give a rip? Does he really care? I mean, like, don't, pretend like you don't know the rest of the story right now, okay? Pretend like you're brand new to the story. And, and I was thinking, well, he's from the south. I mean, he's from the southern kingdom. So does he really care, or is he just being nice? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like in the South, like, I mean, have you ever had people, have you ever had this experience where somebody can come up to you and say, how, how are you doing? And you go, well, shoot, somebody cares. Not. And so you start to, you, oh, I'm so glad you asked. In fact, my heart, and suddenly they're looking like, ah, they're scared to death. They go, I didn't mean it. I don't want to hear your story. I was just being nice. Look at their watch. He said, I got to go. So I was wondering as I read this, I thought, I wonder, is he just being nice? Listen, here's what you need to know. He's never been there. He's never been to Jerusalem. As far as we know, there's nothing in history that records that he's ever been there. So you've got this man who's never been there who asked this question. So is he just being nice or does he really care? So they said to me, those who survived the walls, survived the exile, are back in the province, are in great trouble and distress. The wall of Jerusalem is, is broken down. Its gates have been burned with fire. So he says, you know what? Things aren't good. And, and the wall of protection was a much bigger deal than you think. The wall of protection physically provided protection for those inside the walls, but it was more than that. It represented God. It represented the power of God. Listen, it represented the protection of God. And here's what they're saying. They're saying, you know what? We're all coming back, but there's a leadership void here. And, and so we're going nowhere. The economy stalled. Nothing is happening. It's terrible. We're, we're free, but there's no freedom. 
And here's the answer to whether Nehemiah's just asking to be nice or whether he really cares. Here's what verse 4 says. I heard these things and I sat down. It says he sat down and he wept. He wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. In other words, for Nehemiah, this wasn't just like their news. So this is not like he just said, oh, wow, gee, it sucks to be you. Hate that. Hate it for y'all, but I live in the palace. You know what I'm saying? Like, woo. I mean, y'all, things are not going too good in Jerusalem, but I'm telling you what, they're awesome here. Like, I live in the palace. My kids have the best of the best. I'm protected. I'm safe. I get to eat really, really good food every single day. It's kind of a bummer that I have to test, you know, like, the king's wine to see if it's poison or not. But other than that, things are really, really good for me. They're good for my family. Gee, I hate that for y'all. But I'll pray for you. I'll be praying for you. I'll put you on my prayer list. I'll be praying for you. When he found out what was going on, his heart was broken. It was legitimately broken. It was a burden that could only come from God. There's no other explanation for it. He'd never been there before. And it's not like he's a priest. It's not like he's a pastor. It's not like he was some spiritual leader. He was was just an average guy working in his king's palace. Then he records his prayer and he said this. He said, then I said, Lord, the God of... The God of heaven and the great and awesome God, and, and this is not in my notes either, but every time I read that, I think, it's, is he really, is this like, is he sucking up? Is that, is it really, you know what, you know, like somebody comes up to you and they go, like maybe, you know, if you're a parent, your child comes up to you and say, you're awesome. Like, you're the best mom in the world. You are the best dad. Have you ever, do, have you ever been suspicious and wanted to step back and say, all right, what do you want? Unless you have my kids and they're awesome. But anyway, that's another story. So I thought, is this what's happening here? Like, is he like buttering God up? You know what I'm talking about? And then here's what he says. Who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. So Nehemiah's like, he's just like saying, you know what? Here's the thing, God. I just want to remind you of your words. I want to remind you of a covenant. I want to remind you of the promises that you made a long time ago because what I know is that you're someone that will keep his word. I mean, if you ever make a promise, I know that we can take it to the bank. We can count. We can count on you. And so God originally said to the nation, he said, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. So God set up some somewhat this somewhat conditional relationship with his people. Then with something like this, he said, here are my laws. Here are my laws. If you keep my laws, you get to keep your land. And really what I'm saying is, is that if you keep my laws, and you keeping my laws is a reflection of you being in love with me, because really what I want is a relationship. And so you have a desire to keep my law. It's just a reflection of the fact that you love me. But if you break my laws and you abandon me, then if, if you break my laws 
and are no longer a light to the rest of the world because you've got to understand that's, that's what I want you to be. It's not about you. It's about, what you. it's about you being a light to the rest of the world and other people to say, let me tell you something, our God is like totally awesome. That you become a light. And I just wonder, where's the church? Are we a light in a dark world? You didn't see that coming, did you? I didn't either. It's not in my notes. What's happened to us? Are we any different than the world? So are we more of a reflection of Him or are we more a reflection of them? He says, if you reject me for another God, then you know what? I'm just going to let you reap the consequences of serving another God. And he's not going to love you like I love you. He's not going to be as gracious as I am. He's not going to be as merciful as I am. But if that's what you want, if that's what you choose, I'm just going to let you have your way. And then he continues, he says, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants. He said, you know what, this is not about me. It's not about me. The burden that I have is not about me. It's not about my wants. It's not about what I want to do. It's not about ambition for me. It's that I want to go from being a cupbearer to the king and being some great leader, leader over Israel. has nothing to do with that. He said, listen, I want to come to you day and night. My heart is heavy. I am burdened because of these people that I love that I've not even met. Then he, then he says, this is crazy. He says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We've acted very wickedly toward you. We've not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws that you gave your servant Moses. This is a humble prayer. And he ain't sucking up. He humbly comes to God and says, you know what, we're guilty. We're guilty. I mean, we, we were exiled. The, the Babylonians took over. They took charge. I mean, they hauled us away. We were separated from our families. We literally have been scattered among the nations. And you know what? It's nobody's fault but ours. This is, this is on us. We are guilty. I, I remember the last time I tried to think, when's the last time I ever heard anybody in our culture say, I'm guilty. It's my fault. You know what? We blame everybody else for our condition. Humility. And the implication is, you know what? We deserve to be thrown out of our land. It's not your fault. We broke the agreement that you established with our forefathers a long, 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 long time ago. But then he says this. This is awesome. He says, remember the instructions you gave Moses? Your servant Moses saying, if you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But watch those next two words. They're like really, really big. He said, but if. He said, hey, so in other words, he said, God, you know what? The thing is, I know you. See, and I know what you said, that, it, that like if we don't obey your commands, if we don't obey your law, if we don't obey your decree, if we, serve, we choose to serve a God of another nation, I know that you said you would take your hands off of us. But if. You said, if we will return to you, and if we will obey your commands. And it's just weird because he said, obey your commands. In other words, this ain't about, 
lip service. This, this is about something real. This, this is about a life change. This is about, says, this is about a person who says, you know what? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I can't take this anymore. What do I need to do to change? You want to know why I love Thursday night? You want to know why I love our people? Because that's where they are. Then even if your exiled people are, the, are at the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and they're your people. I'm just reminding you, Lord, these are your people. Whom you redeemed by your great strength and by your mighty hand. So the bottom line, he's just saying, you know what? God, you did it. you've done it before. Lord, if, if we will be humble, if we will confess... Will you do it again? Then he says, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor. This is a big, it's a big deal. He's fixing to go in front of the king. We're not to chapter 2 yet. You'll have to wait until next week. But he's fixing to go in front of the king. And he says, you know what? I need, I'm going to need some favor today. And then I love how he ends the first chapter. I was, just, I was just a cupbearer to the king. I wonder how he said that. I wonder what inflection. I wonder how he said it. I was a cupbearer to the king. I wonder if it was that or if it was. I was just a cupbearer. So I, I wasn't anybody. I wasn't a Moses. I wasn't an Isaiah. I, I wasn't a prophet. I, listen, I was just an average, everyday kind of guy who had a burden. So here's what he's about to do. Nehemiah, who's got it made in the shade. Got a great job. He's living the high life. Can you say that in church on Sunday morning? The high life. Some of y'all get that, some of you don't. That's okay. He's living in the palace. He's living in the palace. Listen, he's got everything he needs. His family are completely taken care of. And he's in contact daily with the most powerful person on the planet. And he's about to walk up to the king and say, King, who, by the way, is going to see him with a sad countenance. He's going to say, what's wrong with you? And he says, oh, yeah, king, like, what, what I need, I, I need an indefinite leave of absence. Like, I don't know how long this gig is going to last. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I just like an indefinite leave of absence so, like, I can come back and my job will still be here. Like, isn't there some law somewhere that you can't do that? So I'd like to leave my cussy job, this incredible environment that you've created for me. I want to go to Jerusalem and help a group of people I've never met. I want to help them rebuild their city, and I'm not a builder. <laughs> I'm just a, a cupbearer. That's all. I'm just a cupbearer. And I want to reestablish their presence in a land where they've been forgotten. In other words, he's saying, I, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I just can't sit back and do nothing. Somebody's got to do something. And I'm just going to be that somebody. It's an awesome story. And just so you know, he didn't ask the king for favors. You just you didn't do that. I mean, the king does all the asking and you do all the do, doing. Literally to be sad before the king in this man's position could have meant death. 
But you see, he said, I can't help it. I, I can't help it. I can't fake it. I can't fake this anymore. My heart's heavy. I have a burden. So the question is obvious, isn't it? And you probably don't have an answer today. What breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? I'm just saying that the will to start starts with a broken heart. Starts with a burden. That's where Karen and I were. I said, there are people that, that are out there that are like me, that they don't fit in. It's a normal church. And they, they need something different. They, they need to be able to walk through the doors. And so I had a wonderful conversation with a couple this morning. And they said, we feel welcome here. And Yeah, it's, we do that on purpose. You matter. And when you walk through the door, when you pull up on the parking lot, I want you to feel like there's somebody that cares. That it, we, it matters if you're here or not. That's intentional, but it started with a burden. A burden. I still have that burden. I, when, I, when I'm in the gym, minding my own business, I, God gives me a burden for certain people. And sometimes I'm minding my own business, doing my little elliptical thing, and, and I'll stop and pray for different ones in the gym. God, they don't know you. And there's a group of us that are there. Can you use our influence, Lord, somehow? That we'll faithfully love these people to you. What's your burden? When you look around your community, when you look around your neighborhood, what do you see? When you look around your city, when you look around our country, when you look at the economy, when you look at the school system, when you look at what's happening with families, I, I can tell you this, that we have, we have staff here that have a burden for families. They care about your kids. And it's not because it's their job. It's not because they've been trained in school somewhere. It's because they have a burden, a burden that keeps them up at night, that keeps them pushing to say, how do we do it better? How do we love people more effectively? What is it that captures your attention? What breaks your heart? We're going to explore this over the next few weeks. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you can totally relate to Nehemiah's honest prayer of confession. Maybe you say, man, Lord, I've been so disrespectful. I've been out there doing my own thing my own way. I ain't considered your laws. But Lord, I'm broken. I'm just broken. And I'm willing to say that my way is not working. And I'm going to acknowledge that you are who you are. You're God, the creator of the universe. I'm going to acknowledge I can't understand it all. I don't know how to explain it all. But that you sent your son, Jesus. And Jesus came to this world. And he went to the cross. And on the cross, he shed his blood for an old wretched sinner like me. And then we celebrated it last week. He's alive. Hello. He's alive. And that you would bring your brokenness to Him. And I promise you this. If you're willing to confess, He's willing to hear. 
And he's willing to step into your life and you can find forgiveness if you're willing. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one's looking around. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, maybe you just pray an honest prayer this morning. And you just say, Lord, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I've been disrespectful, disobedient, totally living my life my way. And I recognize that, you know what? It ain't working. I can only thank you for your love, for your goodness, for your mercy. To say thank you. And and God, not even be able to wrap my brain around that kind of love. The depth of that kind of love. So Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you to be my Savior. And I want to do more just to believe in you. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Jesus, I can't thank you enough for your willingness to pay the price for all my sin on the cross. And I know you're alive and I trust that and accept that by faith. And from this day forward, I just want to follow you. And then just thank him. Just thank him. If you just prayed that prayer, just thank him. Say, God, you're awesome. Tell him you love him. Lord, thank you for uh, thank you for miracles. Lord, thank you for the miracles of changed lives that you've allowed us to see for over 25 years, Lord. I don't know if we've ever had a Sunday that we've ever met, God, that you didn't do something incredible. That's the beauty of you, not us. That's the beauty of an incredible God that seeks to have a relationship with his people. We just want to tell you that we love you. It's in your sweet name that we pray. Amen.